Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that boss the next. Big jab there from Duffy and Brett Mears. Hurt now. They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. While quarantined in my master bedroom away from my children, there is no one I would rather capture to spend 60 minutes on video and audio with me than my man Ken Flo. It's Monday, June 8th, 2020, episode 253 of the Anik and Florian podcast. What's up, kid? What's going on, dude? How was Vegas? Vegas was good. Uh, I yeah. did not frequent any casinos, uh, but it was good to be back out there, of course. Uh, hotter than hell. You know, I live in Florida. I run outside in Florida, but that desert is a different beast right now. It really is. When you parlay the wind with the heat, uh, my lungs were not cooperating, but uh, it was really buttoned up. I mean, much more uh, restrictive in terms of the hotel than in Jacksonville. Everybody had to be masked all the time or you were getting a lashing. You know, you couldn't even go in the building without a credential that had a wristband that cleared that you had had your temperature screen. So uh, we felt pretty taken care of it. Another show is in the can. How, how was it for you? I know you're watching most of the fights on Saturday night. I was. I was. I saw uh, a few of the prelims, uh, the whole main card, and uh, it was good, man. It was good to hear you again. Well, I appreciate that. We have a lot to get to today. Uh, later in the show, we will have some thoughts from Ken Flo. We'll see if he thinks this one is going to stick or not. Conor McGregor's third retirement in the last four years. So on the way out, we will be sure to get some some thoughts from Kenny on that. But uh, in the nature of not burying the lead, let us start with the lioness, Amanda Nunes. I just flew back with her from Miami. So I oftentimes travel with, with Nina and Amanda because we, we live down here in South Florida. So really interesting to hear her thoughts after the fact. Mm. Ken Flo, I guess I'll start with the fact that the last thing she or the American top team, Dan Lambert, Mike Brown, would ever do is take an opponent lightly. Their focus Saturday night, or at least her focus, was to go 25 minutes, right? Not that she wouldn't have knocked her out if there was an obvious opportunity, but she really wanted to prove that she could go 25 minutes at 145 pounds where she feels better than Bantamweight. I think her Bantamweight days are over, and if this is the beginning of several title defenses at Featherweight, I, sh- I think she fought a near-perfect fight. Well, it was smart. I mean, if you've seen Spencer fight before, you knew she was going to hang in there for as long as possible, uh, once again, showing her toughness. But uh, as far as skill, um, you know, unfortunately for Spencer and frankly, everyone in that division, they're just not going to be able to keep up with someone like Amanda Nunes. I mean, there is no female who can throw a punch like Amanda Nunes. Period. I, I mean, when it comes to, you know, maybe hitting a bag or whatever, or, but as far as a fight, a professional fight, when it comes down to it, if you need to hit another a female in the face, Amanda Nunes just does it better than any other female out there. Uh, it's really impressive the kind of power and speed that she's able to put together her timing. Um, and, you know, I, I really thought there was such a disparity in skill by, you know, the fourth round that they probably should have stopped the fight. Um, Nunez really put uh, just a lot of combinations on Spencer. She was, she again, just hung in there. She was tough as nails. But I don't know. I, I think Amanda Nunez just showed that she's just at another level yet again. I, I, I don't think there's anyone out there that really can challenge her. I know you really shouldn't say that. You don't want to get that into the head of a fighter. And obviously, ATT did a great job of keeping her focus for this one. But, man, Nunez is very good. 
And from a legacy standpoint, and look what Henry Cejudo did, and then he chose to walk away. And, of course, there are a lot of Bantamweight killers waiting for him. That is not Amanda Nunes' reality. And there really is nothing for her left to accomplish from a mixed martial arts yeah. standpoint. She's won 11 consecutive fights. She has won eight consecutive UFC championship fights in any number of different ways. If you talk about Ronda Rousey and Misha Tate and Holly Holm and Chris Cyborg, none of them lasted more than a round. Yeah, Pennington and Spencer and some of these others have extended her for lack of a better way to put it. Um, but she is the GOAT. There is not a distant second with respect to the great Valentina Shevchenko. And we could dissect this performance. I mean, I'll tell you from a judging standpoint, the way the score rules are written right now to encourage more liberal use of 10-8s where you don't have to largely dominate a round. Go read the rules. There was at least two 10-8s for me, if not three there, at least based on the language, Kenny, of the new scoring. So it was 50 to 45 and then 50 to 44 times two. I had fans coming at me saying, if you really read the rules, they scored at 50 to 40. They had five 10-8s. Wow. And I, you know, I mean... Again, I encourage people to read the scoring, but she was as dominant as ever. I, I probably had it 50-43, you know. There's no doubt about it. Again, Nunez just looked like she was just in a, in a completely different uh, level than Spencer. And, uh, you know, again, Spencer's toughness is impressive. But, again, there's just a huge skill disparity in that whole division, period. Yeah. Uh, she has... Um, you know, really run out of opponents at this point. I, I don't know if there's anyone out there that's going to make things interesting. And I think that's her biggest challenge at this point um, is not only staying motivated for these other fighters, but just getting an opponent who's right. willing to get in there with her. Megan Anderson has won two in a row. She's won three of four. I know there isn't a healthy appetite for that fight, but she is six feet tall, and I do think it's yep. an interesting matchup just because of that size. So I do think if she defends the featherweight title first quarter of 2021, most likely, I think if Megan Anderson can get another win or get another fight, ideally, right, that could produce a win uh she could be next in theory but i think amanda's ready to go home and nest with her wife nina nunez and and become mothers and maybe take the rest of the year off i know nina would like to return to fight in february up a division at flyweight so maybe amanda would help her and then not even come back until april amanda was on crutches in a wheelchair right i mean she is really banged up in that lower half and uh yeah. Again, you don't win eight championship fights, Kenny, and go through eight championship training camps without paying some sort of price. You know, she looked like a prime Amanda Nunes, but it's not like she can win eight more title fights without absorbing a whole lot of damage along the way. She has proven herself already as an elite mixed martial artist. She has proven herself to be the greatest of all time when it comes to, um, you know, the women's divisions. I, I don't see anyone breaking her record or doing what she has done for a very, very long time. Um, so Nunes has separated herself from all the other great female fighters, um, and she certainly deserves that time off. Um, and I, again, for her, she's already made a, a lot of money at this point. You know, Nina is obviously still interested in fighting, and she mm -hmm. could do, um, you know, some impressive things in her division as well. Uh, but with, with a, a child coming up and all those things, you, you got to believe that she's probably going to take a, a long time off. I do think she would enjoy maybe a high-profile boxing match that could uh, see her realize a big payday would be something she'd have an appetite for. And she'd be probably an underdog in that setting, which I think would be an interesting challenge for her because at least right mm -hmm. now in MMA, I mean, Ian Parker said last week that Amanda should have been minus 1,100, and he was exactly right. So we congratulate Amanda Nunes, and we'll see uh, – what is next? We, of course, acknowledge the toughness of Felicia Spencer, but uh, she was outmatched. And I know my man TJ DeSantis would have been very surprised years ago uh, to have seen Felicia Spencer rise to a UFC title fight this quickly, having followed her on the Invicta FC circuit. So we uh, congratulate her effort in defeat, and I do think she'll work her way back in what is obviously a division so thin that there aren't even rankings at UFC.com. All right, co-main event was Cody Garbrandt and Rafael Asuncao, even if it wasn't the biggest bantamweight fight of the night. Uh, Ray Longo is going to be waiting in the wings here, so we'll table Aljo for a second, even though otherwise I would go to him here. Mm -hmm. Cody fucking Garbrandt with a knockout that is going to be on highlight reels for years to come. And 
say what you want about it and Sean O'Malley and others will in terms of the technique or lack thereof. You know, some people will suggest that he grabbed the fence and there was something illegal about the strike. You know, when Anthony Showtime Pettis pushed his foot off of the fence, Ken Flo, right? As long as you're not interlocking the toes, there's nothing illegal about that as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Cody, yeah, I guess did interlock a finger for a second, almost as if he was like springing off the cage. I don't see anything illegal about it. Um, a Sun Tzu was disappointed that he let his guard down a little bit, but that was a ferocious, ferocious knockout, one of the most deadly I've ever seen cage side. And in that instance, people need to use, you know, common sense. What exactly was he gaining as an advantage? by grabbing the fence. There was no takedown right, attempt. Right, there was no, right, right. you know, grappling going on. Right, but anyway, right, I just right, think right. that's kind of ridiculous. But yeah, anyways, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Cody doesn't need a lot of help when it comes to the speed and power department. Bro. Uh, he can produce that very well on his own. Uh, I think you kind of nailed it. And this is not to take away from Cody because technically uh, he's so good when he's making you miss. But the thing that, that stands out very clearly when you watch Cody Garbrandt fight is that he is a different kind of athlete. He really is. Uh, the way that he moves and um, the, his ability to read punches when he's trying to make you miss, right? When he gets emotional, he stands in the pocket, you're always throwing the dice. And we see so many mixed martial artists go and do that and be like, ah, I just want to I want to brawl. I want to get in there. Okay, well, you, you might get knocked down in that process as well. Cody Garbrandt needs to go back and be that dude that he, he showed when he fought Dominic Cruz. Maybe the best performance that I've ever seen out of any UFC fighter. Yeah. Uh, and he just looked phenomenal out there. When he's out there, he's he's utilizing his footwork. He's analyzing, not just diving headfirst into, into exchange. Um, that's when he really is at his best. And I hope this is a different change because if it is, Cody Garbrandt will get that title back. I absolutely guarantee you, no matter who he faces. You called him a different kind of athlete, and those are some seriously true words. And that's the rub, and I'm glad that you led with it. That's the rub when it com- comes to Cody Nolove Garbrandt. Athletically, he is on a different level than most. A guy who, if he had different dimensions, maybe if he was as big as his brother Zach, would have been a professional athlete in a different sport. This kid played middle linebacker, the premium position in the state of Ohio at 135 pounds. You know, that shit doesn't happen by accident. And as far as this Mark Henry relationship is concerned, and by the way, Joe Rogan and Daniel Cormier at separate times on the broadcast both referred to Mark Henry as a genius, okay? Their words, not mine, but obviously we put him on a pedestal when it comes to striking coaches, and rightfully so. He's turned away a lot of elite athletes. This wasn't a byproduct, Kenny, of of Mark Hen- of, of Cody reaching out to Mark Henry. Mark Henry like recruited Cody over the years because he saw this athlete yeah. and saw this speed and felt like if he could work with this guy, it could be truly something special. Now, I'm not saying Garbrandt. I'm not the technical guy. I'm not saying he's totally out of the woods that this is Garbrandt version 2.0 necessarily, but there was a lot of good in this performance, and he was able to punctuate it with, with a knockout that is certainly going to hold up as one of the better ones. It, it, it was, and, and again, you know, this isn't a Cody that um, couldn't have done this on his own. You know, no no disrespect to Mark Henry. I think what Mark Henry has brought to the table is discipline and the fact that he gets to utilize his footwork again. Hey, you use your footwork, man. That's what makes you special. That's what separates you. There's one thing that allows you to hide in the octagon and disappear, and it's footwork. And there's just no one in the game who really, in, in my opinion, truly understands that and, and gets fighters to really realize that everyone just thinks like there's the target. I'm going to walk forward and just try to hit it. That's how most professional mixed martial artists approach the game. Uh, and Cody Garbrandt, again, is kind of brought back into that reality of utilizing your footwork. And Mark Henry is probably responsible for that. Um, I think keeping him disciplined, uh, keeping those footwork patterns and, and not getting him into just doing the same thing, I think, is going to be important for Cody moving forward. Um, but either way, man, it, it was great to see Cody um, get close to fulfilling his potential. That's how good I think he is. I still yeah, think there's yeah. so much more for Cody to show. The The dude's a stud, and, and it was great to see him back. The UFC needs someone like Cody. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, he could sell tickets in Ohio and Pennsylvania and Los Angeles and uh, obviously has a style that uh, can produce a knockout like that. And can I just be a fan for a second? Like, dude, I mean, that fucking knockout, right? Like, just sitting there and seeing a a, a man separate a a, a really durable man like that from consciousness. I mean, bro. It's 135 pounds. 
where do you see a dude be able to put a guy to oh. sleep like that? Again, and we'll talk about Sean O'Malley and all that stuff, but it's just rare. It's a rare quality to, to actually have that kind of power because even in Sean O'Malley's uh, knockout, which was absolutely brilliant, um, he had hurt him twice. He had hurt Wineland twice to the body before yep. that. So he was already kind of out and, you know, had been hurt uh, to the head before that as well. But one punch knockout power like Cody Garbrandt's, yeah. you just don't see it. 135 pounds. He bowed out of the way, timed it perfectly, came upstairs, threw that punch from hell. And my goodness, uh, again, Asun Sao, he's been knocked out, what, once maybe? Uh, I think it was... Um, uh, the guy from Duke Rufus's, why can't I think of it? Uh, the Southpaw there um, from Duke Rufus's camp. Anyway, Eric, uh, Eric Coke, Eric Coke, exactly. That was the only time you've ever seen him knocked out. And he's fought a lot of high level guys. And that was kind of earlier in his career, I yeah. guess you could say. But you don't see a guy like a Sun Tzu knocked out cold like right. that too right. often. It's happened once in his career. And uh, Garbrandt's just, uh, again, a, a special fighter. Let's talk about Sugar Sean O'Malley for a second because obviously his head coach, Tim Welch, has a lot to prove before he's in a conversation maybe with a Trevor Whitman type. But I have said on our airwaves in the past, I really believe in this one-two punch with Tim Welch and Sugar Sean O'Malley, Tanquino Mendez. You can't do much better than that in terms of your primary jiu-jitsu player that you're training with day in and day out. Uh, I believe they're doing the right things from a strength and conditioning standpoint. I said on our airwaves last week, if I could buy stock at any young fighter, O'Malley would be the guy. I don't think that people realize how good he is, whether they're focused on the marijuana or him saying things like he's the best striker in MMA right now. But there's more truth to that line than people want to realize. And because you're the expert, I would always defer to you. But I see a very special Bantamweight. I see a future contender, if not world champion, every time I watch him now. And I do believe he's ready to take his shots at this division's elite right now. It's a couple things, right? Um, I, I will say that O'Malley continues to improve and impress in my opinion um i also say i i understand he doesn't have a manager right now or hasn't had a manager for a little bit but whoever is making those decisions um of deciding who he's going to fight and when he's going to fight them um deserves a lot of credit as well it's because yeah it, it, it's him okay well he's a smart guy and he knows exactly what he's doing he's picking the right fights for where his skill level is at where his experience is at and that's just going to give him that much more momentum that much more confidence and that much more uh playing time to figure out exactly what he can and can't do in a mixed martial arts bout and um, you're seeing improvement. I, I thought the, the way that he was moving, the relaxation to me is also impressive of how composed he is. He's not a guy who's super tense. He's relaxed when he punches. I thought his feints looked really sharp. And what separates him to get a little bit nerdy here on his striking, it's Do one it. thing to feint. It's another thing to feint and be in a punching position to take advantage of it. That's why Wineland was so hesitant in coming forward. Those feints were really scary to him because O'Malley was feinting him and then ready to strike if need be. And when he did, he made it work for him and made Wineland pay for coming in. Wineland, yes, he has been uh, you know, dropping his hands. He's been doing it for years. But very few have been able to truly take advantage of it and not get hit like Sean O'Malley. So uh, just lovely stuff there from Sean O'Malley. And if you want to listen back to the Anakin Florian podcast archives, he was uh, our featured guest back on 420, I believe it was, the 20th of wow. April, if I'm not uh, mistaken there. But if you go to O'Malley's YouTube channel, uh, he did a video on Sunday morning, and he was going to stay in Las Vegas, which was not the initial plan, to talk to the UFC brass. So maybe there will be another quick turn for O'Malley, who already has two wins here in 2020. And don't lose sight of the fact that he had two years off uh, and developmentally obviously took advantage of that time. And mm -hmm. I do believe we'll see if he gets a new contract, and that's why he's in Vegas. I don't know. But uh, I think as long as he ha is being paid the right money, he's going to, you know, he's going to command a top 15 opponent next and wants one. So I, I think so. Listen, you, you look at his striking, you look at his reach, that's always going to be a problem, I think, moving forward. Um, and, and I'm sure he knows this. Uh, Sean just needs to continue to work on his wrestling and on his grappling. So when he gets to that elite 15, you know, those guys who are really kind of trying right. to take him down right. and make him pay there, yeah. uh, he's ready. And if he's able to do that and he's doing the work, um, he's going to be a tough guy to beat, man. And again, you see him on the Quintet Ultra circuit, too. I mean, a kid loves to grapple. You know, mm -hmm. that's a thing. I mean, that's where he really, I think, has. The he's a martial artist. Man. Yeah, man. He, 
really is. Yeah. All right. Support for today's episode of the Anakin Florian podcast comes from Manscaped. Manscaped has the right tools to get the job done quickly, safely, and hygienically. And as Ken Flo knows, Father's Day is just around the corner. You might need a gift for your hairy dad. So make your dad proud this year and get him and yourself the Manscaped perfect package. So my dad born 1951. I can't even imagine if he had a lawnmower 3.0 back in like the 1970s, how much that would have changed his life. Manscaped, the only men's brand dedicated to men's below the waist grooming and this perfect package 3.0 kit comes with among other things that essential lawnmower 3.0 anti-chafing ball deodorant water resistant cordless body trimmer of course is the headliner but there's a lot of other things in the package as well the crop reviver refreshing spray uh, and reduced chafing athletic boxer briefs as well and if your dad doesn't have this stuff covered Good way to get it out of the can there for Father's Day. Help the guy out so he's using the best tools for the job. And I think for men and women alike, they'll appreciate this. Manscaped products, cruelty-free, paraben-free, dye-free, and vegan. So for our listeners, we want to get you started right to get 20% off and free shipping with the code AF. Go to manscaped.com today. That is 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code AF. Manscaped.com, code AF. It's dad bod season. Time to get smooth. All right, now to look back at Aljamain Sterling's title shot earning win over Corey Sandhagen last weekend. Prepare yourselves for the Ray Longo Minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Well, this is the 253rd time in the last five years that we have done a Ray Longo Minute, but there is nothing like doing the Ray Longo Minute after one of his big three, Chris Weidman, Ally Quinter, Aljamain Sterling, comes up with a win and a finish, and man, that Ally Quinter-led quarter did a good job Saturday night. Oh, without a doubt, man. Look, and I think that's the, uh, for me, that's the beautiful thing, is that I think the culture of this gym is like a family, and those guys in the corner, that was Dennis Bazooka and Steve Lee and Al. Al's always the third guy in the corner. He stepped up. They did a great job with this kid. Not only a win, but a fucking statement. I mean, that's the uh, that that's the key to me is the uh, just he came out aggressive. Uh, he got what he wanted. Soon as, listen, Aljo on your back, I don't give a fuck if you're 135 145 155 once whatever it is you don't want that guy on your back and i see that you know even in sparring man i mean he's he's a handful i don't care what your weight is you can't let that guy on your back and i think he showed it the other day and we did kind of know that you know stamen is uh, i mean not stay sorry about that we get to him in a minute Corey sandhagen is uh you know he was too comfortable on the floor i think uh lineker or maybe a sunset had his neck he looked like it you no. cannot do that with Aljo. That was the difference. Did I think it was going to get to the floor that fast? Not really, but I did. That was a scenario for sure in my head. And the uh, I think when we found out the octagon, how small it was, and even compared to what we have in the gym, at first I thought it wasn't going to be an advantage, but it ended up being an advantage. And, you know, Sanhagen, what we were worried about was the pace coming forward. Uh, but you know what? A lot of those guys that can walk forward, they just don't. They look like a different fighter going backwards, and I think that's what you saw. And again, Aljo on the floor was where his strength was. No, I don't care what weight you are. I mean, he's really he's that good. His MMA jiu-jitsu is is phenomenal. Probably up, up if not the best up there with anybody. Yeah. Kenny, we're obviously going to celebrate the shit out of this win from an Aljamain Sterling perspective, but I do want to get your thoughts on Corey Sanhagen. And also, we might as well inject the octagon size into the conversation here because the measurables are unbelievable. It is 30.5% smaller, Kenny. 745 square feet versus 518 square feet. I know you've competed in both. Feels like a different sport for me. Your thoughts on this quick fight and, and how the cage might have impacted the matchup? You know, it, it's always going to favor the uh, the grappler, in my opinion. Um, having that smaller octagon, first of all, uh, just brilliant uh, on the part of Aljo and his team to turn it into a, a grappling match. Right from the get-go, he had a beautiful shot, put him up against the cage, uh, and, and just kind of that little throw-by that he did. Uh, Sanhagen was in trouble. Once he had the back, uh, this did not look good. And, and even as far as, you know, Aljo really, with the control, it was just unbelievable these are two elite guys at 135 pounds, right? And the fact that Aljo was able to get it done this quickly, 
um, was a huge statement. And and in a time where sometimes you don't know whether the number two guy, the number five guy, the number eight guy is going to get a title shot, Aljamain Sterling just told everyone to fuck off, basically. Yeah, he, he said, did. Now, this, this shot is mine. Seriously. And uh, I thought it was going to be a really close fight. Uh, you know, Ray, I actually picked Sanhagen by a close decision. I thought that he'd be able to outpoint him round by round. Aljo knew where he had the strength. Aljo knew that, hey, listen, maybe I could strike with him, right? Maybe I can steal some rounds here and there, but I know I'm going to be the better grappler. And that was the smart approach. Aljo knew he had the strength advantage there. He knew he was going to be the better grappler if he got on top uh, and just took full advantage of it. Uh, I was I was blown away by Aljo's yeah. performance. And I got to tell you, you got to remember, look at Aljo, how he came out. And this is even a surprise to me. A little bit, but just a frantic pace. He's, you know, he's quick. He's moving. He's throwing kicks. You're responding. He almost went for a cut kick, I think, and they mm-hmm. grabbed that leg, and that was it. But he never took a step back. I mean, it was very quick. Look, and this will be a, a blip on the radar for Santag, and that kid can fight. I was 100% concerned with a lot of things in this fight. I think yeah. that kid is great. I love his style, and he 100% will be back. But Aljo just... He seized the moment, man, and he knew he had to make a statement, and he did. And this, these are the things that, that excite me in, in, in MMA in any sport. You know what I mean? When you see this type of behavior come out. And look, you got to remember, Aljo was on a four or five fight win streak. The fights he lost, you could make a case for he won. So he's fought right. the best of the best. And his losses, with the exception of the knockout to Marlin, which literally took on a short notice that was a replacement for who he was supposed to fight uh, – the good jujitsu guy, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ken, he's an older guy, but his mm. jujitsu's good. I'm talking about Johnny Eduardo back in no, the No, no. Oh, man. He just lost to Simone. I Ray, Ray Borg? Ray Borg. Uh, no. Nah. Uh, whatever. He's an old well, either way, guy. Either way, Ray. The point is that he, I'm sorry, Kenny. The point is that I can make a case for Aljo, you know, with the exception of Moraes. He's got seven, eight wins in the last nine, whatever it is. He, he those fight the fight with uh a Sun Sao, I thought he won. Uh was a close fight though, and the fight with um Oh, Ronnie Yaya. Ronnie, Ronnie Yaha. Yaha. Yes. He was supposed to fight Ronnie yes. Yaha. And this is almost like what happened <laughs> with almost what happened with Ferguson. You go from a jujitsu guy to a fierce striker. Ferguson went from a fierce wrestler to a, a, a unbelievable striker. These are the things you you know you 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 should be able to adjust, but I was not in favor of that fight because of the timing of it. And, uh, you know, but again, to Aljo's credit, man, look what he's did. He, th- that was a pretty bad knockout. He came back and rattled off five in a row with the elite of that division. Phenomenal performance, uh, attitude wise, character wise, everything. It's just, you know, and again, I think the culture of this gym is so tight. And I said it like with the, with the quarantine, cause those guys did a great job with him. And, you know, Al, had his garage, and he wouldn't do that for anybody. Trust me, he would not. Right. But Aljo, nobody had fights. Everybody was dedicated to him. That's one good thing with the quarantine. It's not like, well, this guy's got a fight. He's training this day, or he's got to get ready for his. We're bringing in this. Everybody was focused on Aljo, and he had his. He had the same cast of characters, but even with more focus. And I think the camaraderie of that whole dog pound really just made him rise to another another level. You know yeah. what I mean? So, I just, I just love the way, I just love his attitude right from the get-go, man. In a time where everyone loves to make excuses, whether it's a bad decision or whatever it is, Aljamain Sterling has clearly been working on his game and working to get better. Uh, and it's just, it's amazing to see. Uh, and it also shows that he's elite because Sanhagen is a terrific fighter. Uh, and it, when you see a guy who can take advantage, it was one mistake. It was one mistake that Sanhagen yeah. made, and that was it. And that what that's what shows that Aljamain Sterling can be a champion in this sport. Is it's those guys who have that killer instinct who can capitalize on little things that that's going to separate you from just everybody else. Yeah, and he really believes in his jujitsu skills more than any other skill set. Yeah, I'm saying he believes in that jujitsu skill set, mm-hmm. and that's you know you heard him say even a Matt Serra black belt is different levels. He gets to train yeah. with really, really good guys. And Kenny, you know, you, your buddy is yeah. off the charts with jujitsu. You just, absolutely. Uh, and that was Nate, uh, Ryan Hall. I mean, that kid is phenomenal jujitsu wise. Mm-hmm. I'm sure who the hell's touching that guy. You right. know what I mean? So, you know, there's different it's such levels. an advantage, man. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it really is. And Aljo's not at that like level. Like I think Ryan's a different game, but Aljo, his squeeze strength, his his wrestling combined with the jujitsu is is a major problem. Because even if he doesn't get you down, he could get you in a position where that's all he needs is just to yeah. get a hook in, get on your back. And mm. again, I don't care what weight you are, you don't want the guy on your back. Right. Yeah, Aljo's got a good feel for that carotid artery, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. No. Some when fucking I, when you blood chokes, Ken Flo, Right. I love it. I the sound guy, like I know what the, the fuck guy I'm talking tapped, about. I don't. The guy tapped and went to sleep. But look, I don't want to take anything away from Sanhagen. That kid, uh, there's no question in my mind he bounces right back and he's going to be a problem. Yeah, that win is going to age gracefully, and I do think this will be a mental hurdle for him. I mean, thrill versus agony for Corey Sandhagen and everything that he put into this training camp for this fight and this matchup to not even be able to throw a strike. Uh, yeah. He landed one strike. It's got to be pretty debilitating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I'll tell you what. Like, we had really a good look for Aljo. Uh, it was maybe a, when we when I asked Aljo, he said, no, it, the, kid, the kid we used was maybe like an inch or two bigger. But wow. he, he was ready for the, uh, for the stand-up. Uh, but, again, you have to play to your strengths. I love what he did. He made that guy go backwards, and he got him against the cage, and that was it, man. It was just – it was short and sweet and really great to watch. And, again, just – he he really earned it, you know. And John, you yeah. were always a big advocate of Aljo from day one. You know what I mean. So that's off to you too, because I think you always believed in him. I uh, maybe more than you at times, man. Uh, I've always I, thought maybe. he was going to be champion. You know, maybe I'll no, tell you, I used to listen to you, and I just you know, me everything's a progression. I want to make sure, like even I told Aljo right. after this, I want you to have a good time. I really do. I want you to have a great time. But you might be getting a title shot quicker than you think. You have yeah. to stay in shape, and it's going to be a five-rounder. You cannot go off the rails. As much as you want to right now, I think there's a good chance Aldo something happens, and he's right in there. So I hope he listens, and I think he will. But, again, work hard, play hard. you got to go out. you got to He party. deserves it. Yeah, he deserves it. I don't want to take that away, but you got to keep the big picture in mind. And you, you made it this far. You were in that shot. Let's fucking be ready at all times. Don't stop now. Especially yeah. now. You don't know when the calls are coming. Look what they're doing. They're recycling fighters every three weeks. Yes. It looks like. You know yes. what I mean? No, oh. you're right. If you are Brian Kelleher or Ray Borg or Courtney Casey and yeah. you have been willing oh. to make that quick turn, uh, it can be richly rewarding. And you're right. He could be fighting for the belt in six weeks, you know. Uh, you and Mongo could find himself on Fight Island. So at least right now. It looks like it's going to be Piotr Jan or Jose Aldo, uh, who is next for Aljo, right? One of those two guys who will presumably fight for the Bantamweight title. But Ray, like, he took it out of the matchmaker's hands. I mean, Aljo literally took it out of the promotion's hands. Dana White has now said he's going to be next, even if he does have to wait six or seven months. Ray, you can't let him sign a bout agreement that isn't for a shot at the undisputed title. I've got to feel pretty good to hear that. 100%. I would definitely not. I'm surprised that he said, even in the interview, you know, strange things. No, Aljo, you're fighting for the fucking Oh, title, I know. Period. That's it. You're fighting for the title. And that's it. That's You earned it, and you're fighting yeah. for the You earned it before this. And you're fighting. Now you're definitely fighting for the title. I, my, if you're asking me, I'll tell you, everybody who's listening, do not sign that bout agreement unless it's a title shot. You earned yeah. it. It's not yeah. even, you know, it's yeah. not even, it's not right. It wouldn't be fair. We know Aldo's a big name, you know what I mean? I get that part, you know, from a money, but this kid earned it. You got to give him the shot. Yeah. So uh, Cody Merrow, who is our chief marketing officer, produces Aljo's podcast. And he texted me, Kenny, that the betting line for Jose Aldo versus Piotr Jan, right? Mm -hmm. You got Jan minus 240. Wow. And Jose Aldo Jr. plus 205. Wider wow. than I expected for sure. Now, I'm not saying that just not on the strength of this five-fight winning streak and the win over Corey Sandhagen, that Aljo is definitely the favorite favorite against Piotr Jan, but I do think it's a whole lot tighter than that. I mean, I think Jan Sterling is a, is a pick-em fight for me, but Aldo, plus 205 right now. That sounds juicy. That sounds <laughs> juicy to me. I, I, you, you won't see Aldo uh, with those numbers too often, uh, especially right. against a guy who... You know, certainly doesn't have the experience. He's he's fresher, no doubt, has less miles on him, right? But uh, doesn't have the experience of a Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo not getting respect from the from the bookies. Yeah, I yeah, I think that that those odds seem way off to me. Yeah. yeah. So Ray, uh, before we get to Marab Dwalish Willie, uh, want to get to anything else uh, you might have on UFC 250, particularly uh, Cody Stamen. Yeah. 
this has to go down as one of the more remarkable performances that I have ever seen in my life. And Ken Flo obviously can relate to this deeply uh, in terms of losing a brother and what the aftermath, the immediate aftermath, I should say, of that is. But for Cody Stamen, who broke down in our fighter meeting and you knew that the emotions were going to be bottled as best he could until the fight was over and then they would come pouring out and that's exactly the way it went down. But I just don't know, Kenny and Ray, how how you compete in that setting. I mean, I can't relate to the physical toughness of these athletes, never mind the mental nor emotional toughness. Yeah. But uh, Kenny, I'll start with you, man. I just don't know how Cody was able to compete and compete as well as he did. Uh, n- neither do I. You know, there's times where maybe... He just needed to go out there and express himself and kind of unleash that energy. I think that's probably what that was about. But having to put those emotions aside and really focus on on a tough guy and Brian Kelleher, I, I thought was really impressive. I'm not sure we've really seen anything like that, a, a turnaround quite, quite like that after the loss, loss of a brother. Uh, I can't even imagine. Um, my heart goes out to Cody and his family. Uh, such a difficult thing to deal with, man, and having to go out there and, and fight during these times under all this craziness that's going on, on in the world, um, it, it was it was very amazing and it was very emotional to, to watch that. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I had the pleasure of spending uh, some time with Cody in Japan when I had Suzaki fighting. Uh, Crookshank fought, fought on the card. Those guys are good guys, man. I, that yeah. thing killed me the other night, killed me. Cody's oh, name I mean, I really, I mean, we spent this, you know, we were in the same locker room. He, he's a good guy. Crookshank's a great guy. They had a girl with him. She was a sweetheart. Yeah. Um, I, I can't tell you it, how it's, I, I just hope he, he found some sort of peace and solace in, in, in just fighting and letting it out. Everybody's different. I don't know how the hell he did it, but what a great performance. And I got to tell you, uh, you know, Kelleher is a nice guy. He's from Long Island. I never root against Long Island. I'm not saying I was rooting, but in my head, Stamen had to win that fight. For, for just for what should be good in the world, he deserved that win against a tough guy. And I got to tell you, I give Kelleher credit for even jumping in there in that thing because everybody's emotional. Everybody has feelings. Everybody's hopefully has some sort of empathy. That was such a crappy thing that, the only result was what we saw. He had to win that yeah. fight. It made me feel great. Like, again, anything I could ever do for you, Cody, I, I would. I, You know, the few times I met you, always been a gentleman. I, It just sucks, man. But I hope he found some sort of happiness in that, which I think he did. It was a great performance. His stand-up looked on point. He did look great at 45. And, uh, man, that's a, just a tough – I just hope he's – find some sort of peace and you know we can move forward because this that's a tough and Kenny like you said you know it and uh I think there was a situation years ago where Jim Miller lost his baby he lost his kid and he fought like two weeks later so these are tough people man these are mentally tough people and they find a way and they have the resolve and the just the, the mental fortitude to push through and just do what they love to do. And they know it's, they're doing it for the right reason. I'm sure Cody's brother would have never wanted him not to take that fight. You know right. what I mean? So right. he, he just hats off to him. I, I just hope he's okay. And I can't relate to it because I've never gone through it. But I, 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 I could tell you emotionally I was in tears. So I know I felt it. And uh, I just hope he's okay. I know DC lost an uncle once during fight week and he had to really shut the family out and he ended up submitting Rumble Johnson that weekend. Uh, but for Cody Stamen, I mean, this was his eight, 18 year old brother the week yeah. before the fight. And uh, for Ken Flo, obviously your younger brother, you know, my younger brother had open heart surgery a couple of years ago and those were the longest nine hours of my life. I can tell you that, you know, so uh, just so much respect for Cody and certainly for Brian Kelleher, who obviously would have felt horribly, I think, if he had finished Cody. I think you're right, yeah. Ray. There was yeah, divine yeah. intervention uh, with that outcome. Um, all right. Before we let you go, Marab. And the team staying out in Las Vegas. He's fighting Ray Borg coming up this weekend. He's a massive favorite. Your guy, Marab, getting a lot of respect from Las Vegas, Ray. Uh, And truly, maybe because of the way those first two fights went, isn't on the ascent that he could be. You and I have talked privately. Could be 5-0 in the UFC right now. Without a doubt. I think that's that's a no-brainer. In my book, he's 5-0. And And just... uh, I don't, I don't even want to rehash what happened in Jersey, but just give him an A-plus right, right, for fucking right. 
balls and toughness and just yeah. willing to die in the octagon. You got to give that guy credit. Plus, he's a great kid. Uh, he was part of Aljo's camp. He's always in shape. If you ever watch his videos, he was nonstop. You got to oh, love, yeah. love him. Did you get a chance to talk to him? I didn't get to talk to him, but I find myself on his Instagram feed pretty uh, pretty regularly I'm these you, days. You know, when they called me about the fight, I, uh, you know, the kid that manages the gym, Steve Lee, I go, listen, talk to Marab. He'll tell you exactly what he's feeling. If he wants that fight, that's good enough for me. I yeah, mean, because he's, he's very, very just honest and... Uh, you always get just a practical opinion from him. You know what I mean? So he's a down-to-earth kid. He's humble. He's uh, grateful for everything he's got. I, I tell you, everybody could learn from him. I, I'm telling yeah. you, we, we need more of those guys in this world. That's all yeah. I can say. He's and, really uh, a, a unifying force, I think, for the team, too, even yeah. if English is his second language, you know? Listen, look, in the times we're at now, which are crazy, I mean, look at only all the different personalities we have in this gym and colors and ethnicity, ethnicities, every dude, we just, it, I, what I love about sports and music, it transcends all that bullshit. You don't, mm -hmm. you don't see color. You don't see anything. You just see a person, you see a human, you see a friend, you know, and we have so many people from Albanians to, you know, uh, he's from Georgia, you know, black, white, Spanish. It doesn't fucking matter when you're in a gym and you're on a team, it all comes together, and I think that's what everybody has to learn from, man. Because we get definitely can all get along. And I don't want to even go to that, you know, go into that. But uh, just Marab is a good guy, and I'm telling you, the world could use a lot more of those guys. It just he's a pleasure to be around. You can never be down when he's around. Yeah. And if something's wrong, he's there. You know, he's got his shoulder. You could cry. He's just a great kid. Yeah. I, 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 I really, really a great kid. Look. Aljo staying out there. Thank God he didn't get hurt. But those yep. guys are sticking together, man. And again, you know, I don't want to take credit for anybody's wins, but I want to take credit for the culture of this gym yeah. and the way they, they bond together for so many years. You guys know, Ken, you know, it's hard to keep a place together. Different personalities. Who's been it's tough, man. I don't know how much longer we could do it, but, man, I'm so proud of those guys stepping up. It sucked for me being on the couch. Um, that's definitely the worst place for me. I, yeah. I, I you know, huh, I was huh. gonna, I was gonna type something in between. I couldn't even get my fingers going. <laughs> I was, I was panicking. I was, I, my fingers were stuck. And thank God he got that thing out in the first round. I, I wouldn't have made it to the second round. But again, these guys are phenomenal. They're, they're, they're loyal guys. They stick together. And, you know, I think it's a, you know, a second family for a lot of people. And um, it's that, that was just, that, that win was so good for so many reasons. It's, oh, it's, you know, incredible. It's, you know, if from the, if he would have lost, I probably would have hung myself today. You know what oh, I mean? But the, those guys, the, you know, they, Al did a fucking great job. Uh, you know, who doesn't respect Al? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm going to say even Al Joe's, I call it the ripple effect or trickle down MMA. When Al beat Kevin Lee that time, man, yeah. he inspired Al Joe. And Al Joe went out, he had that performance against Munoz. And he's on a roll now. He's on a tear, you know. Uh, and I love that, you know. I, and I, I love that ripple effect con uh, concept, man, where one guy does good and it just inspires a whole team of people. And that's that's life, man. That's life to me. Well, congrats on a huge yeah. W, buddy. And the pre-fight parade and everything was great. And uh, I almost wanted to, like, FaceTime you before the fight and just have you there on mute. But I thought it would distract me on the broadcast. So yeah. enjoy it. And, uh, you know, despite what they say on the streets, Ray, you're actually a pretty decent guy, too. So congrats <laughs> hey, on listen, the W. And, uh, before I forget, too, yeah. I say, you, uh, DC, and Joe, what a great team. What a great synergy, great chemistry. Love seeing DC coming into his own, man. He's a force to be reckoned with, man. He's getting more comfortable. Yeah. Now he's funny. He's insightful. Yeah, he's letting it go. And, and no matter what he says, who's going to argue with that guy? He'll dump you right on your fucking head. Yeah, you know? that's I mean, right. I, I, I mean, the guy's really just become a personality man he's definitely got a career and it's been nice to really watch you guys um well thanks looks like we just lost ray longo but i appreciate the uh the sentiment and all the feedback on the broadcast oh, man. Uh, oh there, there he is. is i can't get you back all right well we love him Ray Longo, what a win for Aljamain Sterling. There is no overstating how big a victory that was. Uh, and congrats to all the other winners at UFC 250. It was a memorable night. Alex Perez getting it done with the calf kicks again. Ken Flo 
Somebody's got to figure some shit out, man. Somebody's uh, got to figure it out. I loved it. Um, you know, again, to, to see that kind of damage done so quickly uh, against a guy in Formiga who's been around the block uh, once or twice or three times, um, I, I thought was great to see. Th- those kicks were absolutely brutal um, and just, just hurt. You know, anyway, I, I talked a little bit about uh, on, on Twitter um, just dealing with something like shin splints for anyone who's run a lot or played yeah. soccer a lot. Any of that, it's like shin splints times 10 or, or wow. having shin splints and then getting kicked right in the shin as hard as you can. It's absolutely brutal. Guys are continuing to utilize this technique and uh, people need to be prepared for it in training, man. It, it's brutal. Right. You feel like your leg's broken. Formiga had to go down. Felt like he broke his leg, you know? And Garbrandt utilizing it, kind of sliding like a snake across the canvas, yeah. kicking it almost oh, like yeah. a sweep. Was freaking slick. I, I love it. Soccer was my first thought when I saw that. <laughs> it was beautiful. All right. This episode sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. If you could benefit from more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. It's prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. They're Made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy as well, so no awkwardness, and you don't even have to leave the house. Right now, we got a special deal for our listeners. You visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MMA. You just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, BlueChew.com, promo code MMA to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Anakin Florian podcast. And remember... When you support our sponsors, you help make this podcast possible. So please be sure to use our promo code MMA at BlueChew.com. All right, with that, it is time to make some picks for UFC Fight Night. I versus Calvillo, which beckons this Saturday night at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. Anik. The time is most definitely now. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The Main Event Challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. All right, so 46 apiece going into UFC 250. Big week for our guy Ian Parker on social media at Ian Parker MMA. 9-5 to five the final. You guys had five dissenting picks. Ian went 4-1 and one on those fights. So the Duck feeling himself a little bit this week. Now, most of the betting favorites came in across the board at UFC 250. Like, if you parlayed all five favorites on the main card, that was a winning ticket. So perhaps some dogs are going to bark this weekend. We also point out Ken Flo did change his co-main event pick from a Sunset to Garbrandt during fight week. Uh, so it's 55-51. Three picks today. It's UFC Fight Night I versus Calvillo. First one at Bantamweight, Marine. Rob Dwalish Willie minus 360 and Ray Borg is plus 300. So, Ian, if you're looking for Marab to get some respect uh, for his efforts, for his strength of schedule, he's getting it from Vegas. What do you think about the price and Marab against Ray Borg? Price is a little high, but I think that also comes in based on Ray Borg just losing to Ricky Simone, who can be considered somewhat of a similar fighter. Marab is an absolute takedown and cardio machine, and we just saw that that's not someone that Ray Borg does really well against. And it's confusing because Ray Borg is an excellent grappler. But, uh, you know, with the momentum off Aljo on that t- in that team, I love Marab in this position. I think it's a great name to get on his resume as a win. So I'm going with Marab here, absolutely. Yeah, Ken Flo, hard to do much better than Aljamain Sterling as your primary fucking training partner if you're a bantamweight in the UFC right now. Ray Borg, and you know this, Kenny, because you called a lot of his early fights. His seventh pro fight took place in the UFC. He was 6-0 and when he made his UFC debut in 2014. Yeah. So he's got a lot more UFC experience. 12 times in the UFC. Of course, he fought DJ for the belt back in 2017. But he also fought Ricky Simone just 26 days ago. Uh, and Kelleher looked pretty good against Cody Stamen with that quick turnaround. What do you think about Borg making a quick turn? And do you feel like he's as up against it as the odds suggest, Flo? You know, I think for Ray, he has struggled with his weight in the past. Obviously, you know, uh, with this kind of quick turnaround, I don't think that's going to be a factor here. 
Um, I thought he looked pretty good in his last fight. Yes, he lost, but it was very close. I thought he landed some excellent combinations. His striking has improved a lot uh, over the last year or so. Um, I do think he's a dangerous grappler as well. Um, is he going to beat Marab here? I'm not so sure. Um, I, I think, you know, that quick turnaround and him having, uh, yes, it was a good fight uh, against Simone, but it was a tough fight. He he definitely took some damage. Uh, he gave some, but he took some as well. Um, I, I think that may come back to haunt him a little bit in this fight against Marab yeah. as well. I, I like Marab by decision here. Yeah, that was a hard 15-minute fight. I yeah. mean, I love Borg's fearlessness and taking the risk. And I think the fact that he's won two of three allows him to take that risk, even though he is coming off a loss, it would only be two in a row. Um, but if he loses this one, right, then there's a whole lot of pressure on him in his next fight to not lose three in a row. But that is one, one Albuquerque tough dude. And, and he's yeah. got mouths to feed and he's certainly a fighter's fighter. All right. Co-main event in the UFC middleweight division. A lot of heat on this one. I will set it up as quickly as I can. Marvin Vittori, minus 220. Carl Robertson, plus 180. We'll need the round and the method, by the way, Ian, as well. So Vittori had a fight scheduled against Darren Stewart, March 21st in London. Flies to London. Show gets canceled. Then he and Robertson were supposed to fight April 25th, I think, in Nebraska. That one gets postponed. Then it was May 13th in Jacksonville. The fight was still on after Robertson misses weight. But his body didn't cooperate thereafter. He was hospitalized. The fight gets called off. Vittori goes nuts at the host hotel, and I think rightfully so, by the way. Uh, and now this Saturday, June 13th, it shall be done. Ian Parker, Robertson plus 180, Vittori minus 220. Who do you like? I, I think if that video of the hotel didn't happen, that price would probably be more like minus 195. I think it's the first time Vegas yeah, yeah. raised the odds based on some dude's fucking rage. Um Look, I think, I think Marvin Vittori is a special fighter in this division. I think it's somebody that probably isn't talked about a lot. And his performances, he keeps getting better. Cardio is not an option. His combinations are there. I love his IQ in the cage, his angles. I think he's just a very smart fighter. And even though I guess he is an emotional guy, this will be a test whether we see if that happens in a negative way towards him. Because Roberson is one hell of an athlete. You know, talk about a guy that almost put away Teixeira in, in a situation that not many, obviously, as we saw... Glover fight against someone like Anthony Smith doesn't happen too often. Um, I still like Vittori here. I think he's one of those future guys that I see going to the top. I'd love to see him and Adesanya fight at some point in the future, just because I know I think he fought Adesanya really early in Adesanya's UFC career, and he did well. I like Vittori here. I don't like it at minus 220, though. I got to be honest. That's a little higher than I'd like against a guy like Roberson, but I do like Marvin here. Ken Flo, Marvin Vittori's won decision. two in a row. Decision. All right, by decision. So Vittori's won two in a row since that split decision lost to Israel Adesanya, Kenny. Uh, Robertson on the other side, good athlete. He was a good baseball player. Uh, he's won two in a row as well. What do you think? Robertson the dog or Vittori the favorite for you, kid? Jeez, you know, um, th th this is a little bit closer, um, a closer fight for sure. I, I think that, yeah, uh, Ian, Ian pretty much nailed it. I, I think that Vittori needs to keep his emotions in check here. Uh, Robertson as well, for that matter. Uh, but Vittori is, is huge for the division. I, I think he's going to pressure him. Um, he's got a good chin. Um, I, I see Robertson probably getting tired in and around the third round. Let's go with third round TKO for Vittori. Third round TKO for Marvin Vittori is the pick to click for Ken Flo. And one thing, too, I just want to say, guys, I don't make picks in this space, obviously, or anywhere, but Ray Borg at plus 300 in our scoring system because that is a four-point winner. I'd probably just fucking take a flyer on him, even though I understand the challenges that are up against him and from a strength perspective and having fought recently. But to me, in our scoring system, I am surprised at plus 300 that neither one of you was willing to pull the trigger here. Well, he here's the thing. One, um... Ray told me if I ever pick against one of his guys, he'll disown me. So just based on that alone, I can't right. do it. Right. And two, you know what? Normally, to your point, it, it, listen, Borg is is fought the best of the best. Literally, I just really don't like him fighting someone like Marab with the cardio and the takedowns and just the forward aggression after right. fighting someone in Simone that was tough. Otherwise, to your point, yeah, it's a, it's a value play for sure. Yeah, and now you got a four-point lead, so you're not in a position where you have to chase points, at least right now as we sit here uh, on the 8th of June. All right, main event, we're going to have it be led by Team Florian this week. It's Jessica I, minus 115. Cynthia Calvillo, minus 105. Flo, we'll need the round and the method of victory. So Calvillo, an ever-so-slight underdog here, moving up to 125 pounds as she faces the division's number one contender. So both women missed weight for their last fight. Calvillo was four and a half over for 
her draw with Marina Rodriguez, I was fucking five over the flyweight limit for her win over Viviani Adaujo. Um, even though she looked great in that fight, Kenny, what do you think about uh, the main event here? Jeez, well, um, you know, I, I think Calvillo is definitely going to be the better grappler. There's no doubt about that. I, I think uh, Jessica has more experience on the feet, probably a little bit sharper with her boxing. Um, for Calvillo, I, I think she needs to get her wrestling in order. You know, if she's been doing her job, doing her homework, um, she should be coming in here with some sharp takedowns where she can really take advantage uh, of Jessica. I, I think that Calvillo will be able to find a way to get this fight to the ground. Uh, I see her getting the win. Let's go with uh, second round submission. Round two submission for Cynthia Calvillo for Ken Flo. Jessica I, Ian, has won four of five. That followed a four-fight losing streak. Of course, the only loss in there, that vicious head kick courtesy of Valentina Shevchenko. So I, a pretty good bet historically to go the distance. She's done so in eight of her last nine. We're scheduled for 25 minutes here. Ian Parker need a selection on the main event, kid. Do I be a dick and just tail Kenny's picks for the rest of the year and coast? Uh, <laughs> nah. you, well, you nah, pick before him too often, so you can't do I, that. We could change him during the week, but no, nah, I'm kidding. I would never <laughs> do that. That's no, that's no fun. Um, this is an interesting pick. Obviously not the people's ideal main event here, and I'm very curious to how this five rounds goes for someone like a VO. We haven't seen her do that yet. Um, Kenny's got probably the best point out of all this. The biggest difference here outside of the height, I believe, is going to be the wrestling and grappling from Cynthia. But we just don't see her utilizing it that much. And you can go back to her fight against Courtney Casey, where she was fighting a taller, predominant striker, who now we've seen turn into a little bit of a submission specialist as well. She was throwing a lot of haymakers, trying to throw, you know, trying to, she wasn't really finding her way in. That distance really threw her off. I think she's had time to work on that. I do think I is not used to fighting someone maybe as aggressive. And I think that Kenny's point here, I mean, this is a hard pick. This really is, you know, yeah. because I do, I do think it's going to go to a decision. I don't think either one's going to take the other out. I just don't see the power there. Um, you know, and I's last, you know, win, she didn't fight. That opponent wasn't near Cynthia Cavillo's level, in my opinion. That's a big factor, too. That was kind of a prospect that I thought was rushed up a little too quickly against a veteran. So I'm going to also take Cynthia here. I think she needs to go back to that wrestling route. Um, that's where she got to where she was so quick. It was a good prospect that everyone was looking at. I like Cynthia by decision. And she's pumped to not be cutting down to 116 pounds. And what an opportunity for Calvillo in what is a thin division, respectfully, at least at the top. She's fighting the number one contender in her UFC flyweight debut. So, you know, this division didn't exist when Calvillo made her UFC debut. If she beats Jessica, she becomes the number one contender. Might be fighting Valentina inside of a year, which is crazy to think about. All right, well, now the team Anik has the lead, and we kind of got to determine the punishment. Uh, so we do want to hear from our Anik and Florian podcast listeners. So the loser of the 2020 main event challenge has to do something that is determined by the winner. Now, I have to pay off that bet, but Ian has said he is going to join me in whatever that endeavor is. So at Anik Florian Pod on Instagram or Twitter, and uh, we'll let Ken Flo and Cody Merrow maybe come up with what the final decision is going to be. But uh, any suggestions, we're welcome. I mean, Ian, I think the power hour uh, has some legs just because I know if Ken Flo had to drink seven and a third beers in an hour, he'd be fucked. Dude, one beer. I'd be I dumb. know. Well, you and me both. Ken Flo and I have low alcohol tolerance. Let's just put yeah. it out there. Ian, I John, mean. You were impressive at your charity challenge. <laughs> so I, I, I think you're playing that a little too close to the cuff there. Actually, I'm going to call complete bullshit because you had like seven pineapple tequilas. Your brother <laughs> had like three chicken wings and he's the one that fell through a table on his own. <laughs> that's right. So that's right. That's, I swear to God, that was true. <laughs> Kenny, John was in the corner. I'm watching Jan Blahovich versus yeah. John Gray and the last breaks. John's like, what happened? I'm like, yeah. your brother fell through a table. <laughs> oh dude. <laughs> yeah. Kenny, oh. You're doing a fucking, you're doing a fucking shoey. And then you're following me on Instagram. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I do think that the Instagram follow maybe would be part of it, and there would have to be some language that he couldn't unfollow right. you. Uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's all good stuff. But we will uh, we will push that to the listeners and see if we get anywhere. Uh, if you want more content from Ian, it is at Ian Parker MMA. Ken Flo, don't want that Instagram content, folks. But if you do, <laughs> it's at Ian Parker MMA on Instagram. And I'm following. Ian's one of my good friends. So I'm following. Dude, Kenny uh, likes all my videos and pictures because all it is is reposts of you fucking guys. So of course, that's why he likes it. You know, if it's something of just me by myself, nothing. I got Ray Longo retweeting my uh, tweets. We're like a reunited family again, and we're coming to Kenny. That's amazing. 
Yeah, you and Longo are in a good place. All right, Ian, thanks. Good job. We'll uh, we'll see how it goes this week, and we'll talk to you next Monday as we look ahead to uh, to Blades and Volkov. Thanks, buddy. You got it, guys. All right, so, Kempflo, before we get on out of here, Conor McGregor uh, has announced his retirement, I believe, for the third time in the last four years. Some quotes courtesy of ESPN.com's Ariel Helwani here. They should have just kept the ball rolling. I mean, why are they pushing Khabib versus Gaethje back to September? You know what's going to happen in September. Something else is going to happen in September, and that's not going to happen. I laid out a plan and a method that was the right move, the right methods to go with, and they always want to balk at that and not make it happen or just drag it on. Whatever I say, they want to go against it to show some kind of power. They should have just done the fight, me and Justin, for the interim title and just kept the ball rolling. And one final quote, Kenny. I had my goals, my plans, the season, right? You heard McGregor talk a lot about this fighting season in 2020. Mm -hmm. I had everything laid out. Obviously, the world has gone bleeding bonkers at the minute. There's fuck all happening at the minute. They want to throw me. This is the line. They want to throw me up and down weights and offer me stupid fights. I don't really give a fuck. I'm over it. So at least right now. Connor seems to want to fight. It seems like he was starting to maybe cut down to 55. Doesn't seem satisfied with the fights that are being offered. We've talked a lot about maybe some of the promotional challenges. You know, you're going to trot this guy out with no gate at the UFC Apex. You're going to take him to Fight Island with no fans. There's a lot of different parts to this. I'm just curious how this Connor McGregor news sort of registered on your plate over the weekend, if at all. Uh, listen, I, I think he's being pretty candid about this. I, I think he envisioned himself really working towards a title uh, in the UFC's lightweight division. It, it seems like, um, you know, he's probably not getting the fights that he wants. Obviously, I, I think it made I thought it made a lot of sense for him to fight Gaethje. Um, but again, with, with this weird time, again, would the UFC sacrifice a, a fight with no crowd uh, for a Gaethje Connor fight right now? doesn't make sense. Maybe, you know, Connor for any fight right now. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think Connor, if he wants to fight, he wants to have a fight. That's going to be a true challenge for him. So we can go out and train hard. It looked like he was putting in the work and, and, and staying in shape and saying the right things. Um, and I also feel like he has a lot of leverage right now in today's UFC environment. When you have John Jones, Henry Cejudo and Masvidal saying that they're all going to retire, they all want to be released from the UFC contract. So, it's an interesting time right now for, yeah. for not just these guys, but all the fighters. Um, and I don't know. Do I believe that he's going to be retired at this point? No. Um, can he <laughs> retire at this point? Yes, absolutely. But I, I think it, it for Connor, unfortunately, he's just going to have to wait for that right time after maybe Habib and Gaethje to fight. And uh, when things get back to normal again, God willing, uh, we'll see him back in the octagon. See, I just don't think he's satisfied when it comes to his MMA legacy. So when you say he can walk away, I think in many ways he can financially. Of course he can. Sure. I know your back ultimately took the decision out of your hands. There's no career-ending injury right now for Conor McGregor. But I don't think he can really enjoy his retirement without building upon his mixed martial arts legacy. I do believe, and I've been wrong before, and maybe I'm wrong about this, you know. But I believe in his heart that he cares deeply about his MMA legacy and wants so badly to his GOAT comments not all that long ago, wants to add to it so badly that I just don't believe at all that he's walking away for good. I also feel like we haven't seen the best Connor just yet. I still think that as a martial artist um, and, and a guy who truly loves to learn the game, um, he has a lot more to show. He's still in his prime. Uh, it would be a shame to not see him fulfill that potential and to show you know, the other tricks that he, he cert most certainly has up his sleeve. Before I let you go, Las Vegas is opening up. I couldn't even believe the extent to which it was opening up. Obviously, here in South Florida, my county, Palm Beach County, not so great. Rises in cases, but for the most part, the state is starting to open up. Any update on, on Meraki BJJ, MeraukeeBJJ.com? Are you still sort of in a holding pattern, or We're has anything moved? We're still in a holding pattern. We, we've gotten word that things are going to start to open up for gyms like ours in the next week or two. Um, you kind of still have to go out and fill these documents out to kind of get approval from the county right. uh, that uh, you're a business that's going to be responsible and blah, blah, blah. It's good to see businesses open. I, I think it should have been done a little bit uh, earlier, to, to be honest. As long as you're being responsible right. uh, and, and taking the certain precautions, I think it's a travesty for a lot of these business owners. I thought in the beginning this was something to be feared. Absolutely, it's a real thing. But to, to, to put a lot of these business owners, especially those that have been putting their life 
uh, towards these things, like these small mom and pop shops. These right. guys have been, you know, working their ass off for 20, 25 years. And for them to, you know, not be able to provide for their family, uh, I, I think it, it's, it's a hard thing to ask for a month, two months, three months now going on, going on for this. Uh, so again, it, it's, it's time for things to start opening up. And, and uh, as long as people are responsible, I think it's I think it's the right right choice. So hopefully yeah. we'll be up and running. And yeah. you know I know our students are, are really itchy to get back to it. Right, and hopefully Buffer doesn't sue you for just saying it's time there because that would only compound. Oh, that's the right. Problems, Jeez, right? I didn't even realize that. I, I mean, you're just gonna you're just he's, gonna he's say calling it's time. me right now. He's calling <laughs> me right now. Ah, uh, Buff, I'm sorry, dude. I mean, you're just going to say it's time, like, out of the blue. As right, if, like, I know. Oh, my God. That shit. I'm hey, going to have to hire all these lawyers now. <laughs> oh, my God. But we do wish you all the best because, you, uh, of course, my identical twin brother is a small business owner, and uh, they have stayed open and, and been able to do so. But um, I, I really do feel for you guys. And uh, I'd imagine when people come back, you do the temperature screening at the very least when they walk Absolutely. in the door. Yeah. Absolutely. We have all these you know yeah. new protocols that right. we're going to be following and um, right. you know make sure people are safe. Yeah. Gives me a, a great excuse to never go back to American Top Team West Palm Beach and train for the rest of my life. No, I'm sorry. That's right. sorry. No, and it's the same thing, dude. I, I you know, for me, it's like Florian Martial Arts Center, same exact thing. So every business, everything that I do has been limited by this. So it's been it's been tough, but I'm not the only one. You know? Except for the Anakin Florian podcast. That's going right. fucking strong it's as dope. ever. And thanks to everybody, by the way. For listening, for subscribing on YouTube, you can go to Anakin Florian po- or AnakFlorianPodcast.com. If you want merchandise, the code for 10% off is AF, AnakFlorianPodcast.com. And uh, we'll be right back with you next week. More UFC selections, a recap of UFC Fight Night, I versus Calvillo. Thank you to our guests today, Raymond Peter Longo, Ian Parker, our producers, TJ DeSantis, and Cody Merrow. With that, for Flow, I'm John Anik. Until next week, enjoy the fights. Don't text and drive. Yo fucking later. Hello, I am Dr. George Jesus Mesa, a clinical psychologist and collector of Chicano Latinx art. For generations, we have known of the healing powers of art at an individual and community level. Please join us as we interview prominent artists, collectors, curators, and influencers in the world of Chicano Latinx art. We will explore historical, regional, and political influences that impact Chicano Latinx art today. Along with our partners at www.latinoarte.com, we are preserving the colorful and rich history of Chicano Latinx art for future generations, one interview at a time. Please join us at Healing with Dr. George, The Power of Chicano Latinx Art, wherever you listen to podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.